All right, I want you uh, to listen up real careful today because I want to continue my series entitled, What's the Big Deal? What's the Big Deal? And for the last several weeks, we've been talking about things that are a big deal to God, things that are a big deal to God, things that are a big deal to our society, things that are the fabric of our society. And, and the truth is, our society has minimized things that God still believes, still knows that is a big, big deal. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about marriage. And we talked about how marriage is a big deal to God. It's not just a piece of paper. It's not just a ceremony. But it's actually two people coming together and making a lifelong covenant to one another. It's a big deal. And then last week we talked about sex, and that's a big deal. You know, and, and the truth is God believes that sex is a big deal. God is the creator of sex, and he made it holy, and he made it pure. And unfortunately, our world has polluted sex and made it a dirty thing. But God, God created sex for an incredible reason that we would actually be bound together with one person, become one flesh. But today, I want to talk about something else that is a really big deal to God. I want to talk about something that I believe is a really big deal to society. I, I believe it's a re really big deal to the family, and that is dads. Dads are a big deal. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that our society has minimized the role of dads in our society. You know, in the Bible, dad, or the word father, actually is spoken about 1,100 times. 1,100 times there are references in the Bible of father. Whether it's God our father, or whether we as fathers are spoken about in scriptures with an incredible mandate from God. But, but in America, unfortunately, not all around the world, but in America, it seems like dads are portrayed on TV as irrelevant. They're, they're portrayed on TV as unattentive. They're unwise. They're, they're unuseful. They're, they're actually, the truth of the matter is, they're actually portrayed as buffoons and idiots. I mean, it's really, it's really sad. To think about how you, you look at the TV shows today on TV and you notice that all the TV shows show dad as being somebody who's irrelevant. I mean, dad doesn't know what he's doing. Dad doesn't know how to deal with things in life. Dad's just there, but mom is really in control of the family. Mom is the brains of the family. Mom's the wise one of the family. And dad, he's just kind of, he's just there. And the truth of the matter is, is that even in the church today, men have lost their sense of identity. They've lost their sense of importance. They, 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 the truth is, they've lost their sense of prominence in the family. And, and if we're ever going to get back to being a healthy society, if we're ever going to get back to being a healthy church, then we've got to begin to embrace again what God thinks is a big deal. And he thinks that you, dad, are a really big deal. And he thinks fathers are really important in the family. And if we're going to ever get back to what we really need to be as a church, not just this church, but the church of Jesus Christ, then we as a whole are going to have to embrace the importance of fatherhood. We're going to have to embrace the importance of being a dad. I don't care what society may say. I don't care what the devil may tell you about yourself. I don't care. It doesn't matter what anyone says about you. God thinks that you're really, really a big deal, dad. 
God thinks that you're critical to the family, that, that you're really appreciated in his heart, and you're really, really vital to every part of society. And so this morning, I just want to simply give you three reasons why you're really a big deal, Dad. The first reason, I want you to write this down because I don't want you to forget this. You're a really big deal because you're a big deal to your Heavenly Father. And that's the most important thing is that you've got to constantly remember that you're a big deal. That's right. You are a really big deal to your Heavenly Father. You see, I can tell you how important you are, and I'm going to do that in a few moments. I can tell you how important you are to society, and I, I can tell you how important you are to your family, and I can, I can really tell you how vitally important you are to your children. But the first thing you need to hear today is that you're really, really a big deal to God your Father. That, that you're a really big deal to God. In fact, if you would look at Matthew chapter 7 with me, check this out. Because this is a powerful scripture when it comes to being a big deal to God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, now, we've always used that scripture in the context of prayer. We've always used that scripture in the, in the context of asking God for something, seeking God for something. In fact, in the Greek, it actually says, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. So it's this diligence, it's this determination that we have to ask God for things that are big in our life, to ask God for things that are amazing in our life, to go to God with full confidence that our God, he loves us and he's going to hear us because we keep on going to God, even if the answer doesn't come the first time. We keep on going to God because we know the character, we know the nature of God, and we know the passion and we know the position of God, and we know how much God loves us. Notice what Jesus says here. Listen to what he says. Which of you? if your son asks for bread and by the way I have a male in the family I have a male in the family I had three daughters I have a mother-in-law my daughter's having another baby girl she already has a girl and so my daughter who just got married Jenna she went out and got a male dog we got an alpha in the house And my daughter said, Dad, Dad, I know that you're not really thrilled that we got a dog, but it's a boy. <laughs> so I got a male in the house. We're celebrating today. We're celebrating. Which of you, if you have a son ask for bread, will give him a stone? Look, look what he's saying. He's saying, which of you, you're, 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 not, you're not perfect as fathers. Nobody's perfect as fathers. In fact, in fact, you know, our hearts are wicked at times as dads. They, they, they just are. The Bible says, who knows the heart of man? It's utterly wicked. And, and there are things in our heart that are not good. And sometimes we have wrong motives. But he says, which of you, if your son asks for a piece of bread, would you give him a stone instead? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now, now he's not saying that you're wicked in the sense that, man, you're just no good, you're worth it. What he's saying is compared to God, compared to our heavenly Father, compared to the holiness of God, we are evil. We are wicked compared to him. 
But how many know that, thank God, that we've been, right, we've been made righteous through the Son of God. We've been made righteous through Jesus Christ, and we are standing before God complete in him. Come on, somebody say amen. But, but, but what, what Jesus has given us here is the how much more. I love the how much more is in Scripture. He gives us this comparison. You are an earthly father, and if you're an earthly father, and you love your sons, and you love your daughters, and you always want to give them the best, how much more will your heavenly father give you what you need? Put it all together. It's this understanding of how much God loves me that draws me to the father. It's this understanding of how much God loves me that causes me to keep on running after him, seeking after him, because I know that my Abba, I know that my father, my daddy, he loves me, and no matter what I'm going through in my life, and no matter even what I've done in my life, even if I have been wicked, even if I've done the wrong thing, I can come back to my father as the prodigal son's story is all about a father who's waiting for his son to come home again, even though his son did wicked things, even though his son blew all of his money, even though his son was not worthy to be a son any longer. The Bible says that when the son came to his senses, he ran back to the father, and the father had his arms wide open, and he brought his royal robe and put it on his son and his royal shoes and, and his royal ring, and he said, man, you're my son was lost, but now he's found. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate. That's how much your heavenly father loves you today. You are dad a big deal to God. Come on, somebody. And your heavenly Father loves you with an everlasting love, and you are the apple. You are the apple of God's eye. And before you were born, God knew who you would be. Before you were born, God called you. Before you were born, God chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. Dad, this scripture is for you today. Ephesians chapter 1. This is for you. Listen carefully. Praise be to the God and Father. There it is, Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus had a father, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Dad, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every one of them. Peace is yours in Christ. Power anointing is yours in Christ. Joy is yours in Christ. Every blessing that you can think of has been given to you through Christ Jesus our Lord. For he chose you, Dad, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he chose you, predestined you, Dad, for adoption as sonship through Jesus Christ. You are a son of the Most High God. Come on, somebody, say you are a son of the Most High God. In fact, all the dads in the house, I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand right now, all the dads in the house, and I want you to look at your dads. I want you to look at the men in the church, and I want you to point at them right now, and I want you to say, Dad, you are a son of the Most High God. Come on. Say it again, Dad. No, I want you guys that are sitting down, help me out right now. Point to them right now and say, Dad, you are a son of God. You're a son of Christ. And you're blessed in him with every spiritual blessing. Come on, give them a big hand. Praise the Lord. And he says, all of this is to the praise and glory 
of his grace which he freely gave to you through the one he loved. He allowed his son to die on the cross so that you can be his son as well. In him we, were, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and according with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us dads the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to, put, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him, dad, you were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to his purpose and his Will. Wow. I mean, just, just, just feast on that this afternoon. Dads, I want you to go home and, and, and open up Ephesians chapter 1 again. And everywhere it says we, everywhere it says you, I want you to put your name there. I want you to begin to believe that about yourself. Romans chapter 8. But what then shall we say in response to all these things, Dad? If God is for you, Dad, who can be against you? I love that. Amen. Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give you, dad, all things? Who will bring a charge against you, dad? Against those God has chosen? If God is the one who justified, he is the one who also will glorify us. Somebody say amen. Knowing all these things, dad, you're more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. For you are convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, or any other power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in creation will be able to separate you, Dad, from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. Dad, I want you to say, I am loved by my Father. You know, this is a really big deal. You know why? Because a lot of you dads in this room, you didn't have a dad. A lot of you dads are dealing with Daddy hurts in your own life. And you might, you might be 50 years old. You might be 60 years old. You might be 80 years old. You know, that hole never goes away. That, 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 that missing piece in your life never goes away. I'm 55 years old. And I was tempted this morning as I woke up to feel sorry for myself. You see, my dad died when I was four years old. I never had a father in my life. And that leaves a gaping hole in our hearts. But I began to thank the Lord. First thing I did this morning is I, I began to thank the Lord for my heavenly father. And I began to focus on my heavenly father. And I began to focus on the wonderful attributes of my heavenly father and the wonderful things that my heavenly father has given me in my life. Hallelujah. Now, now does, does, does it fill every void? No, I'm going to be honest with you. The truth of the matter is, is we need a physical dad in the house. And we need a physical dad to tell us that he's proud of us and that he loves us, right? It's just the way it is, right? But the truth is, the closer you get to God, the more you understand his love for you, the more that hole in your heart will be closed and the more you'll recognize over and over again that God has a plan for your life and it's a huge plan. And that plan is that he would love you so much and that you would find your identity and your self-worth in who your father is in heaven. You see, so many men in this room, so many men that are watching via live stream today, 
we never had a father, and so we try to find our identity in, in something else. And even if we had a father, the truth of the matter is a lot of us, we had fathers, but they were less than perfect. We understand that as well. And you see, the truth is you can't love your children until you learn how to receive God's unconditional love in your life. You can't see how much of a big deal you are as a father until you see how much God loves you. And so for many dads, they have daddy issues, and that has led to trying to find their identity in something other than being a dad, something other than God the Father. You see, the truth is, when Jesus was on this earth, he needed the affirmation of his dad. Now, I know that might blow your mind because Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. But Jesus was fully God, and he was fully human. And every child, every son, every daughter needs affirmation from their dad. How do I know that? How do I know that's true? Because the Bible tells us that Jesus, at the age of 30, is being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And God opens up the heavens, and God the Father speaks into his son's life. His son needed to hear that. Why? Because his son was about to be tempted. His son was about to go into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And before he did that, and I believe when he was in the wilderness, there was, there was this distance that the father, he was always with the son. But at that moment while he was in the wilderness, I believe that Jesus had to be tempted in every way. Every way. And one of the temptations that we go through in our life is, is feeling distant from our father. And so I believe that before Jesus went into the wilderness, the father opens up to heaven and he's got to tell his son, son, I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that you're special. You're important to me. I want to affirm you. I want to confirm you. I want you to know that you're incredibly important. You're, son, you're a big deal to me. And so what happens? Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water and the heavens open up and they hear a voice and the voice says, son. This is your dad in heaven. Son, this is your father in heaven. This is my son. You are my son. And I am, listen to me, well pleased with you. And today, this morning, I want you to know, dad, I know that you're not perfect. And I know that there are times when you fail. But because of Jesus Christ, the father in heaven is well pleased with you. Come on, somebody, say amen. There are times when I just need to hear. I need the heavens to open up. And I need need my Abba Father, my Daddy God to say, I'm well pleased with you, Steve. I love you with an everlasting love, and nothing is going to be able to separate you from my love. God the Father tells Jesus, son, you're really a big deal. You're really a big deal. In fact, before Jesus assumes the role of spiritual father, before Jesus assumes the role of high priest, before Jesus assumes the role of miracle worker and, and demon destroyer and preacher and teacher, he receives from his father divine affirmation. He receives from his father divine confirmation. And before you are a dad, you're a son. That's really important, dad. Before you were ever a dad, you were a son. Before you're a provider, before you're a protector, before you're a deliverer, before you're somewhat of a miracle worker, God says, you're my son. Listen to me, Dad. Before you're a provider, a protector, God the Father is saying, you're my son, and I love you with an everlasting love. You're a son before you're a father. And the truth is, Dad, you can't love your children until you love yourself. 
And that's the problem with most fathers. They just don't love themselves. That's the problem. We pass on the sins of the fathers are passed on to the children. And one of the sins that we pass on to our children is insecurity. How do I know that? Because the truth of the matter is so many of us are trying to find our identity in what we do and what we have and what other people say about us. But you cannot accept your children until you know deep down in your heart and your soul that you're accepted by God through his sonship that he has given you. You cannot have peace in your home until you have peace within. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dad, you're a very big deal to the Father. And I know that there are times you struggle, really struggle with things in your life. And I know there are times when you feel really unworthy, really unworthy at times. And I know you feel like a failure, a real failure at times. But I love what Peter Scazzaro writes in his book about being emotionally healthy as a spiritual person. He said, Jesus has yet to perform miracles or to die on the cross for the sins of humanity. Nevertheless, he receives an experiential affirmation that he is deeply loved by his heavenly father for who he is. This love is the foundation of his self-understanding and the root source of how he feels about himself. Living and swimming in the river of God's deep love for us in Christ is at the very heart of true spirituality. Soaking in this love enables us to surrender to God's will and to especially understand when it seems so contrary to what we can see, what we can figure out about ourselves, we can understand that God has a plan for our life. In other words, knowing that we're really a big deal to God is the foundation for who we are to our fathers and to being fathers. You see, our identity is not found in what we do. Our identity as fathers is not found in what we have. And our identity as fathers are not found in what other people say about us. No, notice what happens when Jesus goes into the wilderness. So, so he receives this affirmation from the father. Why was that so important? Because the father had to tell his son that it's not what you have, it's not what you do, and it's not what other people say about you that determines your worth. It's what I feel about you and what I say about you. Notice what Jesus does. He goes into the wilderness. He's there for 40 days, and the devil tempts Jesus with three things. Notice what he tempts him with. This is really important. The first thing, if you really are, what did he say? If you really are God's son, huh? You see? If you really are God's son. Then, after 40 days of fasting, he said, and I know you're hungry. The tempter comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you're really the son of God, and God is really your father, that, and you're really a big deal to God, then prove it. Do something to prove that you're a son of God. You see, apparently, Jesus hadn't done anything yet in his ministry. 30 years go by. 30 years. Now, when you're a 30-year-old man and you haven't really done anything significant in society, people start to wonder, who are you? You mean you haven't gone to college? You don't really have a good job on Wall Street? Who are you? The Bible tells us that at the right time, Jesus began his ministry. So what did he do before that? He submitted to his father, his earthly father, and he was a mason carpenter. That's what he did. Well, you know what? I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but, you know, that's not the highest level of success in the world today, you know? I mean, I think carpentry is, a, is an awesome thing, but, but you know, in, the, in, in society, you know, if you're a doctor 
or you're a lawyer, you know, if you're an entrepreneur. I mean, that's like, but Jesus doesn't do any of those things. He's a carpenter, you know, and, and in society, it's not a really big deal. He's not a rabbi. You know, obviously he is, but the rabbis don't recognize him as a rabbi. And so now he's in the wilderness for, 30, for 40 days, and now the enemy comes, and he says, listen, Jesus, if you're really a big deal, then do something. Prove that you're a big deal. He hadn't begun his ministry. He was hungry. He was tired. He was alone, and he was tested, and he was tempted. And the devil said, if you're a really big deal to God, do something. Our culture always asks the same question. What have you achieved as a man? How, how much money do you have? How have you demonstrated your usefulness? What do you do? I mean, anytime you, you, you sit down at the table with somebody and you want to talk to somebody and you've met them for the first time, what do you ask a man? Always the same question. Hey, what do you do? Right? Isn't that true? You sit down. Hey, dude, what do you do? Well, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm unemployed right now. Yeah. You know, you come up, you even lie sometimes, you know, make yourself really look good, big, right? Because what we do is so often attributed to our worth, right? That's just the way it is. What do you do? Jesus, what have you done for the last 30 years of your life? Do something to prove it. And the truth of the matter is most of us consider ourselves a big deal based on what we have done in business or what degrees we have on the wall or what we've done somewhere in this world. And when we don't seem to be a success in the eyes of the world, we struggle with depression. We struggle with a sense of failure. We struggle with a sense of condemnation. We struggle with a sense of insecurity. We feel insecure and we interact with each other based on whether or not we're successful, even as as pastors. You know, when we sit down as pastors, we don't ask what we do because we all know we're pastors. We say, how many people come to your church on Sunday morning? (laughs) Well, you know, I I have 2,000 people in my church. Well, actually, 100 people show up, but, you know, 1,000 of them, are, you know, they're, they're out there somewhere, and, and, and 200 uh, are pregnant with children, and so we, we count the women that are pregnant with children, too. Because it's all about what you have accomplished in this world. And when we don't accomplish what we thought we should have or what the world tells us that we should accomplish, then we feel like we're unworthy, that we're not important. Second temptation, the devil comes to Jesus, right? What does Jesus say? He says, no, I'm not going to turn this bread into, uh, or this stone into bread. Man shall not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. By every word that my father tells me about me, that's all that matters. That's why we need to read the word every day, men. Because we need to find our identity and who God tells us that we are. Notice the next temptation. Then the devil took him to a high holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Listen to me. Now, listen. Somehow he transports Jesus from the wilderness. And now where is Jesus? He's right smack dab in the middle of Jerusalem on the temple. Notice what he says. If you are the son of God, if you're really a big deal to God, If God really loves you as a father, then you will throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift 
you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, don't put the Lord God at the test. Then Satan took Jesus out of the wilderness of seclusion by himself, and he brings him to a place, listen to me, of public prominence, to a temple. The place where all successful rabbis are. I mean, all of the big-time rabbis are at the temple. The place where all the people are. And he says, if you're the son of God, if you're really a big deal to God, throw yourself off the highest point of the temple and let everyone see it. I mean, Jesus, if you're really a big deal, I want you to climb up the pinnacles of the temple. I want you to jump off, just dive off like Superman. And I want all the crowds of the people to see you dive off. And then, then I want to see, if you really are the son of God, I want to see angels come and swoop you up into their hands and put you back on the temple so all the people will be like, wow, it's not a plane, it's not a bird, it's super Jesus. And everybody will applaud Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. In fact, so often when Jesus did miracles, he told everybody, don't tell anybody that I did it, right? Why? Because you see, the devil was saying, Jesus, if you're really a big deal to God, then people are going to say you're a big deal to God. Notice when Jesus dies on the cross. Who is with Jesus when Jesus dies on the cross? Nobody but his mama. Nobody but his mother. A mother will stand right next to you, right near the cross, right? But no one else, just very few people. Everybody else left him, right? And if Jesus was considered a success in ministry based on all the people that applauded him, he would be a failure. In fact, at one point, there was way too many disciples, way too many followers. So what does Jesus do? He starts teaching really strong messages, right? The Bible says that Jesus said, all right, you really want to be my follower? Then you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the, what does the Bible say? The Bible says it was such a hard saying that they all left him, Right? What a way to build a church. I mean, they start coming in, and the first temptation we have as we're pastors is if they're coming in, don't preach anything that's offensive to people. Because if you do, they might not come back anymore. Why? Because our self-worth is based on how many people come and sit in the, in the seats, right? But Jesus wasn't worried about that. Why? Because he was secure in one thing. He heard his father say, this is my son in which I am well pleased in. I love you with an everlasting love. That's amazing to understand. Your identity is not rooted in what other people say about you, other people think about you. Your identity is not rooted in what you do, and your identity is not rooted in what you have. I know that it's really nice to pull up in front of your house and look at your house. I mean, I take pride in my house. I, I like doing gardening in my house, and I like painting. I want my house to look nice, right? But sometimes our house or the things that we possess in our life can be to us our security blanket. Because we have all these things, we think, wow, I'm a success in life. You know, because you drive a nice car, you have a nice house, you, you feel like you're a success. Notice the third temptation. And now Jesus takes, or the devil takes Jesus to the high mountain again, and he, he goes, look at all that is out there. If you bow down before me, I'll give it to you. I'll give you everything. And Jesus said, delayed gratification is better than bowing to you. Because Jesus knows he's, he's the son of the king. Hallelujah. And he knows in just a little while he's going back to heaven. He created it all. 
You see, your identity is not found in what you do. Your identity is not found in what other people say about you. Because you know what? Here's the bottom line. They're going to like you and they're going to hate you. And I realize I'm only as good as my last sermon. So if I find my identity and whether or not you come over to me and tell me my sermons are good or not, no, half the time nobody tells me my sermons are good and I don't really care anymore. You got to grow out of that to, to find your identity in one thing. And that is you're a big deal to your heavenly father. Let me, let me go on real quick. Let me go on real quick. Number two, first, you're a, a big deal to your father. Secondly, you're, you are, and I know you knew this was coming, you're a big deal to your family. And I don't ever want you to forget that. See, Dad, you're a big deal to your family. And I want to make that incredibly clear to you. Father, you are invaluable to your family. But again and again, the devil, he wants to lie to you and tell you that you're not valuable, that you're not important to your family. And the truth is the devil has deceived so many to think that fathers are just not important to the family any longer. Listen carefully. Almost every study conducted in social science confirms what the Bible taught a long time ago. Fathers are a really big deal to their families. Fathers are a really big deal to the very fabric of society. Fathers are a big deal to our communities. Fathers are a big deal to this church. Fathers are, are, are a big deal to our well-being as children. No matter how old you are, your father is a big deal to you. and You need to let him know that. And dad... No matter what you've done in your life, you're a really big deal to your children. Let me, let me just, I know that I, I often do this, but let me just give you some clear statistics just to help you to understand how really, really important and vital you are. Listen to what it says. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 63%. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Nine, listen, did I say that? 90% of all children who run away come from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 85%. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Nine times the average. The father factor in education is huge. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Children who with fathers are involved, are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. I'm, I'm, listen to me. I'm not talking about a father who's in the home. I'm talking about a father who's involved. I'm not talking about the father who brings the bacon home and eats all the bacon. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in school. Children with fathers who are, who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extra active, extracurricular activities. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 75%. The father factor when it comes to drugs and alcohol. Researchers at Columbia University found that children living in two-parent households with a poor relationship with their fathers are 68% more likely to smoke, drink, or use drugs. 70% of youths in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. Father factor when it comes to child abuse. 
compared to living with both parents, living in a single-parent home doubles the risk of a child suffering from any kind of physical, emotional, or educational neglect. Daughters of single-parent homes without a father are involved in 53% are more likely to marry as teenagers. They're looking for a dad. Listen to me. They're looking for a dad. 711% more likely to have children as teenagers. 711% more likely. A daughter that does not have a father in the home is 711% more likely to have a child out of wedlock. They're 164% more likely to have premarital birth and 92% more likely to get divorced themselves. Adolescent girls raised in two-parent homes with involved fathers are significantly less likely to be sexually active than girls raised without father, with, with a father involved in the home. 90% of homeless children, 90% of homeless children, let me say that again, run away from home because they're looking for a father. 85% of youth in prison grow up in a fatherless house. Dads, never forget, never doubt, never lose sight of the fact that you're a big deal to God. That's why the prophet Malachi in Malachi chapter 4 says this. Listen to what he says real quick, and I'm going to close. The prophet Malachi says, before the day of judgment, I will make the fathers fall in love with the children and the children fall in love with the fathers. I want to read it to you. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel with the status and judgments. Behold, I'm sending a prophetic voice, a prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the heart of their children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. You know, the sins of the parents are visited upon the children to the third generation. Fatherlessness is a real problem in our country today. And God says, before I send judgment, I'm going to send the prophetic voice. Before I send judgment, I'm going to send pastors and leaders and teachers who will declare, fathers, turn your hearts back to your family. Turn your hearts back to your children. Turn your hearts back to your wives. Why? Because you're really a big deal to your family. Dad, I'm just going to tell you, you're just a really big deal to your children. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, today's a new day. It's a brand new day where you can understand how very important, how vital you are to your children. And thirdly, Dad, you're a big deal to the future as the worship team comes. You're a big deal to, to your Heavenly Father you're a big deal to your family, but you're also a big deal to the future. I'm reminded of the story in the Bible of two brothers. Now look at me. Listen to me carefully as I close right now. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible of two brothers, Esau and Jacob. And I want you to notice what happens in this story. Genesis chapter 27. Isaac now is an old man, and he can't see very well. And he's about to die. And he knows it. And so he calls his oldest son Esau. Remember the story. Esau and Jacob were twins. And Jacob was supposed to beat Esau out. But somehow Esau squeaked out a victory and came out first. And even right there, it was recognized that Jacob would be the leader and Esau would be the follower. And Rebekah, she 
she kept that, she harbored that in her heart. She remembered that. And now Rebecca's watching her son Esau live a reckless life. And, and, and Rebecca understands the blessing better than anyone else. Now, we look at this whole thing and we think, Rebecca, she was just a swindler like Jacob. But Rebecca really was trying to preserve the blessing for all of us in this room. Rebecca had the understanding that if Esau was going to bless one of her sons, it had to be a son that would be changed and converted and live a godly life. And so we know the story. We know Jacob, he cheats his brother out of his birthright. And now the Bible tells us that Isaac is just about to bless Esau. And so Isaac calls Esau in and says, Esau, my son, and he can't see. And he says, Esau, my son. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to hunt for some game. He said, because you're a hunter and I want you to bring me back some really good food. And, and I want you to set it down before me and I want to eat with you. I want to eat with you. Dads, take your children out for lunch, just one-on-one. -on -one. I mean that with all my heart. I want to eat with you, but I want, and then after I eat with you, I'm going to lay my hand on you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bestow upon you. I'm going to, I'm going to touch you. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to affirm you. I'm going to speak into your future, and I'm going to set a course for the rest of your life. I'm going to bless you. Rebecca hears this. And Rebecca runs to her son, Jacob, and says, Jacob, Jacob, listen to me. While your brother's out there hunting, I want you to bring some stuff for me, and, and, and I'm going to cook it for you. I'm going to make it just like your father loves it, because nobody cooks better than me. And I, I'm going to give you some food, and I want you to go into your father, and I want you to get the blessing. And Jacob goes, I can't do that. Why? Because Esau is a, a strong man and he's a hairy man. And I'm just a little guy. And he's going to know when I walk in there that it's not Esau. And Rebecca says, don't worry about it. So Rebecca gives him, you know, some fake hair. And, 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 and they get the food and they go into, Esau, into Isaac. And notice what happens. I want you to listen to the blessing. So now Isaac, he can't see. And Jacob comes in with that food, and Isaac smells it. Oh, my son, how did you get back so fast? I went to McDonald's. <laughs> oh, my son, come closer. Let me touch you. Oh, my son, come. Let, let, me, let me touch you, my son. Let me, let, let me know that it's you. Oh, yes, it's you. Let me smell you, my... Oh, yes, you smell like... Dude, you smell like the forest. Because Jacob, he always smells like Pierre Cardin. But you smell like the forest. It's got to be you, my son. Notice what Isaac does. Even though he's, he thinks he's blessing Esau, notice the power of the blessing that he bestows on his children. Notice the power of blessing that he bestows on Jacob. Notice how Isaac blesses his son. First, through meaningful touch, he blesses his son. He hugs his son. There's something about, there really is something about 
putting your arm around your son, your daughter, and saying, in a, in a holy, really wonderful way, man, I love you, man. There's something about touch that's amazing. In fact, that's why the Bible tells us that when we pray for somebody, we're to lay our hands on them. Something about touch, a good, wholesome, holy, reverent touch is an incredible thing. We read in Genesis 27, 26 that Isaac said, come near so that I might kiss you, my son. That I might kiss you, my son. Don't laugh. Come over here. Come over here. I'll give you a kiss, too. You're a big deal to your sons and daughters when you lovingly touch them. There's nothing like a godly father who appropriately hugs their children and lets them know they love them. Secondly, look with the... Look at the power of a spoken word over our children. Abraham spoke life to Isaac. Isaac spoke life over Jacob. And God the Father spoke life over his son, Jesus. Dad, you're a really big deal to your, your children when you speak life over them. There's power in the tongue to bring life or death. Can you imagine the incredible blessing that we would be to tell our children how special they are? Thirdly, by attaching incredible value to our children and speaking incredible futures over our children's lives. In blessing Jacob, thinking it was Esau, listen to me. Isaac said, surely, look, look what he says. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Let people serve you and nations bow down before you. Now, now that's, that's like incredibly powerful. You might say, oh, Isaac is saying he smells like the field. You know what he was saying? They were farmers. They were all farmers. What he was saying is, my son, you're going to be like an incredible field that produces incredible harvest in your life. My son, you're going to be so blessed that people are going to come to your field and take from your field because there will be so much grain and so much goodness that's going to flow out of you. Your worth and value is beyond measure, and your, in, your future will be incredible. I, I'm reminded of a story of a, a woman who was, who was actually walking her two sons down the block. She was a Jewish woman. Jewish people understand this better than no one else. Jewish people understand this so powerfully because they read the Old Testament. And the story is about a, a young lady. Her name is Seidel. And she's a Jewish mother. And she was proudly walking down the street, pushing the stroller of her infant twins. And she rounded the corner. And as she rounded the corner, she saw her neighbor, Sarah. My, what beautiful children, Sarah could. What are their names? Pointed to each child. And Seidel replied, this is Benny, the doctor. And this is Reuben, the lawyer. Just the little babies. It was something that they could see, that Isaac could see in, in his son, and he blessed his son. So, Dad, you're a really big deal this morning. You're a really big deal this morning to your father. You're a really big deal to your family. And you are a really big deal to the future of this country, of this church, and of your sons and daughters by the things that you do and the things that you say. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. Lord, for every father in this place, Lord. Lord, I know at times they really wonder, they really struggle, they really want to run away from the load that they carry. But Lord, today and always, God, I, I thank you, Lord God, that you think 
that the fathers in this room are a big deal. Lord, that, that the families in this room are, are so blessed because of the dads in this room, Lord God. And our future as families, our future as a church, as a nation, rests upon the fact that these dads know that they're a big deal. So God, equip our fathers with, with, with good, good, strong hands, Lord. Good, strong voices, Lord. Good, strong hearts, oh God. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that as you call them, you will equip them for every good work. And that you'll give them the grace and the power they need and you'll be right by their side every step of the way. In closing, I want to I pray this blessing over you guys. And so I want all the fathers in the house today. In fact, let's go one step further. All the men in the room. In fact, let's go even one step further. All the little boys that are in the room. We ask the boys to come today. We ask the children to be here today because we wanted you to hear this sermon. But I want all... The fathers, I want all the men, single or married, I want all the young men, I want all the teenage men, and I want all the boys to come and step right here. Come on, right now. Come out of your seat. Step right here. We're going to pray a blessing over you right now. You know, let me just tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, this church is really blessed. Look at all the men that are here today. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of churches that have no men. Come on. Come a little closer. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of churches around the world that only women go to church. Only women go to church. And let me encourage you men today. Because you know what? Some people say, Pastor Steve, Father's Day, the church is not going to be full because all the fathers, they just want to go out fishing on Father's Day. They won't come to church. You guys showed up today. And I applaud you today for that. You guys showed up today. You guys showed up today. God says to Joshua, God speaks to Joshua, and he says to Joshua, Joshua, he says, you're going to go in and possess the land. He said, but don't be afraid. He says, because wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. I, I, I want to read to you what God says to Joshua. He says, be strong. Come on up here, Mike. And courageous. He said, because you will lead these people. Listen to what he says. Because you will lead these people. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. God, listen, Dad. God didn't call you to lead a million people out of Egypt. He just called you to lead a couple of daughters and sons in your home. You can do that. If Joshua had to lead over a million people into the promised land, you can lead your children. You can do this thing, man, one day at a time. I know it's hard, and I know there are times when it's tempting, and I know that you're in a spiritual battle, but notice what he said. He said, be strong and very courageous. He said, if you're careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always in your lips. And so listen, after the service today, on the way out, we have a gift for you. I, I was thinking about giving you a little tchotchke, like a little ruler. You know, like a little pen. I don't know, a flying saucer, whatever. But instead, I got you a book. It's called My Upmost for His Highest. One of the greatest books that I've ever read. It's a devotional, a daily devotion every day. 
It's one of the best books by Oswald Chamber. I got you that book because I can give you a little tchotchke and tell you to go home and measure your cabinets and you've got one of those already. I can give you a nice pen and you've got one of those. But the one thing that I want to give you more than anything else is God's word. Be faithful. Be faithful to follow all the law. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. I, I asked Mike to come up. I asked Pastor Henry, where is Pastor Henry? Did just come? Glenn, Pastor Glenn come up as well. We're going to pray for you in a moment. Um, but I asked Mike to come up because he's in charge of the men's ministry and uh, the men of Bethlehem Assembly of God. And, and you guys need to get connected. I know, I know that there's some of you that are really connected, but um, I'm going to ask Mike just to just share for a moment, Mike, how they can get connected. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, men, this, this was a message this morning from the Spirit to men. And I, I thank the Lord for what he has uh, spoken to us through Pastor Steve. Amen. One of the biggest challenges that we face is that we have a lot of pride. And we have a tendency to not stay connected. And there's an enemy out there and he wants to try and take us out as leaders of the home, as leaders in the church. And staying connected is one of the most important parts of what we have to do as men. And too many of us want to just fight this battle on our own. And we want to go about life and think that we've got it all together. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not that good. You're not that good. And we need one another. And we need to stay connected. And there are men in the men's ministry that are praying for you every single day. And I encourage you to get around men in this church to be encouraged and built up by one another because the enemy is going to take you out. Um, we're going to put a, a phone number on the screen. Um, this is uh, Brother Ricky Lee's phone number. And if you want to be connected with a group of men, you want to get morning devotionals, you want to be prayed for, you want to pray with a group of men, get connected. Stay connected because we want to be with you as a band of brothers loving the Lord as one. So please, there's the number. Don't be prideful. Just send your name in with that number and we'll reach out to you. Get into a group with other men and be part of the band of brothers so that God can move in your life. Yeah, Amen. Every Wednesday night we have a class for men. It's a great class for men. There's small groups and every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning these guys are on the phone praying for one another. I think it's very powerful. Amen. And so we're going we're gonna to pray a blessing and I'm going to ask Pastor Glenn to pray a blessing over you guys. And if you have a son... In fact, you know what? Why don't we do this? All the men, just, just reach out to somebody in front of you and let's bless them right now. And if you have a son with you today, bless your sons. Let's bless our sons right now. Dear Lord, we um, thank you for being men. That you have called us, O oh Lord God, to be leaders. And Lord Father, it may not be always easy, Lord Father, the, the weight and the pressure of leading a family, O oh Lord God, spiritually, financially, emotionally, Lord God. But, Lord God, we are praying for supernatural strength, O oh Lord. That, Lord, in those times where we feel like thrown in a towel, Lord God, where we feel like I'm no good. Maybe my family will be better without me. We pray and ask, O oh Lord, that your spirit will come right now and 
Quicken us, O Lord, Father. Strengthen us, O Lord, God. Help us to weather the storms. Give us the wisdom and understanding we need, O Father, to lead our wives and our children, O Lord, Father, to love them, to have enough strength after work, O Lord, God, to spend quality time with our kids, O God. Forgive us for the times when we, we get distracted by work and making more money and, and watching television and so many other things that get in the way of building relationships with our kids, O God, and with our wives. Father, we're praying for strength. We pray for renewed strength today, Lord God, as we celebrate Father's Day, Lord God, that this book, oh Lord God, my utmost for his highest, that, Lord God, would be a, a tool used, oh Lord God, to strengthen us day by day. And we pray and ask, oh Lord Father, that you touch Mike and the men's ministry, oh Lord Father, as they open up their doors, oh Lord God. And as the men come in, God, we're praying for great fellowship. We're praying for, for, for changed hearts and changed minds, oh Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Dad, you're a big deal. You are a big deal. Give somebody a hug on the way out. God bless you. Don't forget, God has a plan for your life. It's big. Don't forget to get a book. We love you guys. You're a big deal, Dad.